Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. When there's something strange in the neighborhood, who are you going to call? Apparently Beetlejuice. See what I did there? I'll call the Ghostbusters. Oh, my goodness. All right. Just tough crowd. Anyway, hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato, and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato, and you can find us on almost all social media platforms, as well as YouTube and now Discord. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us for another Nostalgia versus Novelty episode. That's right. As you heard from the intro, we're going to be reviewing the 1988 Tim Burton film, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, And this is my first time seeing it. So once again, I'm representing the novelty side. Now, if you haven't seen Beetlejuice yet, continue listening past the banter and you will be spoiled. So this was actually made into a Broadway musical, but we did not get to see it. No, we actually, we planned on it. And then I know they got um, an issue with COVID where they had to switch theaters Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. But we, we had tickets to other things that got rescheduled. It's just weird, and we just never yeah. got there, and I kind of regret it because I really, really wanted to see it. Yeah, well, maybe when it comes back to Broadway, you know, now that I've seen the movie and have a reference, maybe we can make a point to see it and compare it to the Do you think movie. it's going to come back? Uh, maybe. I know it's traveling. There's a lot. Well, then maybe we can see it when it's traveling. Okay, well, maybe then. Yeah. But for now, though, let's get walking down memory lane with our discussion of Beetlejuice. Just a reminder, at the time of this recording, the WGA writers and uh, SAG-AFTRA unions are still currently on strike with the possibility of also adding video game companies. Forever Fangirls is a review podcast independent of all studios, and as such, we continue to operate as normal. That being said, we want to make it clear that we stand by the unions fully during this time. Now, the summary from Google, and I'm going to apologize because I don't know if it's Maitland or Matland, so I'm just going to say Maitland. I think it's Maitland. All right, we're going to go with that. After Barbara and Adam Maitland die in a car accident, they find themselves stuck haunting their country residence, unable to leave the house. When the unbearable Dietzes and teen daughter Lydia buy the home, the Maitlands attempt to scare them away without success. Their efforts attract Beetlejuice, a rambunctious spirit whose help quickly becomes dangerous for the Maitlands and innocent Lydia. Yeah, so from the novelty side... I thought this cast was incredible. It was incredible oh, back then. Oh, my God. Um, and it was just amazing to me to see them, you know, as their younger selves. That is weird, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, wait a minute. That's that's Alec Baldwin. Huh. Okay. And seeing Winona Ryder is <laughs> yeah. like teenager. Yes. When I'm used to seeing her in... Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Yeah. So um, I thought that that was actually kind of kind of cool. It did have a stellar cast. I mean, you also have, you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara, mm-hmm. who is um, from Schitt's Creek fame. Mm. So, you know, there's there's a lot of of really great names in this that even then I remember because I would watch anything Winona Ryder and Gina Davis were in. Okay. So for me, that was always the draw. Yeah. So even now, it's still a draw. Mm. Well, um, Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice, it was very interesting to me because... I think this came out before Batman did. And 
I watched Batman. Mm-hmm. I did not he see Beetlejuice. He was a great Batman. I liked him as Batman. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, wait, that's the Batman? Mm-hmm. What? And I know you pointed out there's there's one scene, and we'll, we'll get to it. I don't know if you have it in here later, where the uh, Metlins are being in a seance from the Deedsis, so they're coming back to life. And unfortunately, because they're dead, when you put flesh mm-hmm. back on their bodies, it's whatever is in the casket. Mm-hmm. So they're basically crumbling and falling apart at that point. Yeah. Kind of grotesque. Mm -hmm. But, you know, makes sense. So when Lydia goes to Beetlejuice and begs him to save the Maitlands, he breaks out of this table and he has bat ears. Yes. You pointed that out. I pointed that out. That's when I was like, wow, did they know he was going to be Batman beforehand? I'm sure. I'm sure. maybe. Maybe not. But if it was, it was a cute little Easter egg that I never knew. Yeah, well, I I noticed it right away. Oh, I know you did. I did not. (laughs) He's Batman. So aside from the cast, uh, there were a lot of famous or infamous lines here, mm-hmm. like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, really? We do not say that name three times. <laughs> okay. It's like uh, you don't say Candyman five times. <laughs> All right. I've never seen that movie either. So anyway. Really? Anyway, what other lines are there? I'm, I'm the ghost, ghost with, with the, the most, most babe. babe. Cracked me up. Well, I mean, it fit the character perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, Um yeah, they're dead. It's a little too late to be neurotic. Yeah, that That's was in the funny. trailer too. Yeah, I'm like, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny. Now, when Lydia says that her high school wanted them to dissect frogs, mm-hmm. I actually thought about you because you always said that you didn't want to do that. Yeah, I refused to in high school. I don't remember how it came about. Mm. They probably always had it, but I remember reading in the syllabus in the beginning that we had to dissect a frog, but mm-hmm. this frog was already dissected and color-coded. I never had to do anything. Oh, well. But I was like so grossed out. I was like, I don't want attention. I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, the fact that Lydia said it was against her religion, that's why she didn't do it. I'm like... That was funny. <laughs> that maybe, was very funny. Maybe you should have tried that. I went to Catholic school. I don't think that would have worked. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, any other funny lines that you can think of? I mean, you know, what's the good of being dead if you, you know, being a ghost? The, what Gina Davis says. In oh, the, and you uh, can't frighten anybody. Because, I mean, that's just, we, we literally live in a world where we're trying to find evidence of an afterlife and all that. And if ghosts can't scare you and they can't let us know, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine being a ghost and being able to do things like that? You're going to come really back. Cool. You want to come back as a ghost, don't you? Yeah. But see, my, my biggest fear, and I'm going to go on a tangent, my biggest fear is I'll come back as a ghost. And then, like, the sun will at a certain point start expanding and, like, swallow all the planets next to him, which is supposedly what's going to happen in, like, billions of years. And I'll be a ghost still on the planet going, oh, well, damn it. It would be your luck, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, where, where do you go after ghostdom? I mean, do you want to live on the planet forever? I mean, wouldn't you want to be, like, you know, in an afterlife where it's, like, a heavenish kind of thing? I don't know. I don't, I never, I don't know. I never thought about it, so. Oh, I write darks. Yeah, I know. All right, so moving on to the next thing that I think. This is a signature Tim Burton film for me. I did see Edward Scissorhands. Of course, Edward Scissorhands came way after. Mm -hmm. Um, But this reminded me of that, all the strangeness and the slightly darker side. Although it was a comedy, so... Well, it's a dark comedy. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I can totally see that. Also with the claymation aspects of it, Mm -hmm. that is definitely um, up his alley. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's very good at it. What got me a little bit, though, that confused me, they can't physically leave, right? If they leave their house, they're, they're in this, like, sand planet with a angry sandworm. However, mm-hmm. if they look out the window, they can see the real world. Well, it's a barrier. And, also, think of it that way. What, what great torment is that? I'm, yes. My but own personal hell. It would, it would be a personal hell, yeah. But 
I think that actually makes perfect sense because just because you're dead doesn't mean you don't have temptations, you know? Mm. I mean, you mentioned it later on. And I don't want to spoil your your comment about the DMV. We're just going to leave it. Okay. I'm going to okay. hold off on that one. All right. The other thing that I thought was interesting, an interesting twist anyway, is that the Maitlands can touch each other and they can touch anything in the house, but people can't see them. Usually, you know, in, in ghost movies, the ghosts can't really touch anything. They move through, you know, actual walls and all of that. But here, they actually have to go through the door and they can touch the door handle and all of that. So living people mm-hmm. cannot see them unless they're strange and unusual like Lydia is. I think that could be for two reasons. One, it could just be for the story, mm. right? Because maybe it's a different, I mean, how many times have you seen the afterlife being portrayed as it is in this film? Mm-hmm. And again, those are your notes that you mentioned later. Also, conversely, maybe it was just easier to film that way. Maybe, maybe they were on a tighter budget and they realized, look, if the ghost can open doors and they can walk through it, we don't have to worry about the special effects because they did a lot of things practically here. Yeah. The, I read somewhere that the budget for this movie was $15 million at that time. And then it made like $74 million, so it made its budget back and, and then some. Whatever the case may be, I think back then the special effects weren't exactly there yet. Mm-hmm. And this has already got special effects within it, and I'll bring up that point later. Mm-hmm. So th- with the special effects it already has, with that sand, like almost like a purgatory environment... Mm-hmm unfortunately brings up aspects of why maybe they didn't want to do it. Mm. It works for the story. It does. I mean, it's fine. I didn't think about it that much because, I mean, freaking doors open and Lydia can see the light and all that. Maybe they are further ahead than Patrick Swayze was in Ghost when he flicked the penny across the way. It's funny that you mentioned that. We are married for over 22 years. No, 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 no. We've been together. Together 22 years, married. I don't want to confuse anybody. Anyway. I think about ghosts mm-hmm. where you cannot touch anything and you move through walls. And all when that, did ghosts so. come out? 90s? I th- believe so, yes. Better special effects. It didn't quite bother me. Okay. It was a very interesting different take. And I think it went with the theme of how even though you've gone into the afterlife, it's still work. Well, I was thinking that maybe because they were in their own house, that it was things that they had and they were working with that they, they could touch it, but... But anyway. again, other movies, they don't. I know. Because I mean, why... Sam Wheat does not walk into his house. I understand. That. Yeah. So I, I think it was I'm just a personal that. choice based on money, but I do get your point. Um, okay. So here we go with the uh, other items here. There are, for me, a few laugh out loud moments. Mm-hmm. And this is what you were uh, mentioning earlier. Oh, so I should bring yes. my record scratch back. Yeah. The afterlife is actually depicted as a big bureaucracy. And when they came into that waiting room, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the DMV. It's my nightmare. Yeah. Pick number 1,722. <laughs> I was laughing. As an aside, they didn't even die in their house. No. They died on a bridge in a car accident. Mm-hmm. So how do they end up in the house? Why aren't they haunting the bridge? Well, maybe because they are still in their town and that is... I think, but that's why it goes to the point of if your theory is correct, they went to home base, they went to where their hearts are because they were going to spend the time there, not go on vacation, all this other stuff. So maybe their heart is in that house and their spirit is connected to that house. So therefore they can touch anything in that house. Mm. Conversely, because it's also like the TMV, maybe that's also why they can't leave. And outside the house is like this massive sand dune where they have these snakes that feed. They don't really kill them. 
because Beetlejuice ends up getting eaten by a sandworm and doesn't die. He ends up in the purgatory bureaucratic office. Mm. So I well, I'm think sure that it's like painful. It's <laughs> probably painful. It's probably you're dead already. You know, why get neurotic? Oh. Um, but it sounds to me, it feels like that even in death, you're tempted by outside forces. Mm. But the more you're tempted, you have to know your boundaries. And that's why they can see out the windows and they can see everything. But they can't go there because if they do, they violate whatever rules that... I mean, they didn't even read the handbook. I know. But they can touch anything that a living person brings into the house, like mm-hmm. the paint at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, interesting. But so they can't go get it themselves. They can't go get it themselves. So maybe it is that the house is the portal. So also, you know, they own the hardware store, unless it's already been sold to someone else. I'm sure it has been. They, they could have maybe gone there too. But anyway, neither here nor there. Yep. What other laugh out loud moments I loved? Loved, loved, loved. Dale. Yes. I was cackling. Dale. Daylight come and me won't go home. Day. Me said day, me said day, me said day, me said day, me said day. First off, that scene is hysterically funny, and it really did work on the comedic chops of Catherine O'Hara. Mm. Because if she doesn't sell it when it first starts happening, when um, Adam and... Um, Barbara possess them mm-hmm. and make them sing and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, if she doesn't sell it, that confusion and that instant look and then the how it switches to humor, it doesn't work. Yeah, well, all the other dinner guests are also dancing and, and singing against their will. So yeah, sometimes but, you know, you'll see a, you know, when, when the camera pans to them, they're like, what mm-hmm. is my body doing? It's but just, then they start laughing so at it. Yeah. And then so when the, the shrimp comes up out of the the cocktail and it's like all hands and it mm-hmm. grabs their faces and throws them backwards. Yeah. Um, it's funny and it's a great little humorous scene, but I do believe that because of how it starts, if Catherine O'Hara doesn't play it right mm. and she doesn't sell it well, it becomes a, okay, I mm. see what you're trying to do, but the way she performs it right away, it's like, it just instantly pulls you into what the heck is happening to me. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, this is funny. And then on a certain scene when they're, because they're having a dinner party because they're, to give a little backstory, um, Mr. Dietz is trying to convince his colleagues and everything that his wife's art is great. They're having mm-hmm. like a housewarming dinner to invite people up. They've completely renovated it with the designer Otho. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out how to make a career and he's looking at this little town thinking he could totally build up this little town, wipe out everything that makes it a small little, you know, country town and make it a big, you know, metropolis, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So there's a lot of stuff going on with what he wants to do and what he's trying to do and his wife. And when all of this happens, the dinner party is like horrible. Lydia is discussing, she took pictures of ghosts. Mrs. Dietz does not want to discuss this mm-hmm. because she wants to talk about her art and everything else. And her agent is like, I want to talk about the ghost because your art's horrible. Yeah. And it ends up then doing this whole dance number. Then they're all hysterically laughing and they want the ghost to come down. So they send Lydia upstairs and the ghost refused because they're like, wait a minute, we, we thought we scared you. Yeah. And it just goes to show dark humor. Mm-hmm. And this is why I also think that it compares to the DMV and the bureaucracy because they had a great time at dinner. They laughed hysterically, but the minute the ghosts don't come to their beck and call, they lose it and they don't believe it happened. And they blame Lydia. They blame Mr. and Mrs. Dietz for everything that happened. If you want to do this, you could, you know, hired somebody else. This Mm -hmm. is not the right thing to do. And then she loses all credibility. Right. It's interesting because the ghosts 
can't do what they want to do. They're losing all their credibility because they're not scaring the right way. They're constantly being pulled back into the bureaucracy about what are you doing? You are not doing it right. Did you even read the handbook? Yeah, they're they're trying to get these living people out of their house. Yeah, and there's the parallel there. Yeah. Absolutely. What other laugh out loud moments are there? Well, Harry Belafonte, the very end. Yeah, I, the, well, the... There was another. The, there was another song. There's right? another dance scene. Yeah, where uh, Lydia Belafonte. comes back from school, mm-hmm. and she does very, very well in a test that Adam helped her with, mm-hmm. and he allows her to dance to jump in the line. Yeah, and so it's when when both those songs came into the movie, I was thinking about the fact that Harry Belafonte, yeah, did pass away earlier this year. I was like, oh man. But I, I love that his legacy gets to live on in something mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. Um, the scene is also rather amusing because, again, Winona Ryder sells it. Yeah. You know, she's probably being lifted up in a very uncomfortable harness. Mm, yes. And, you know, um, Adam and Barbara, the the way they play with it, and they, they've become like a pseudo family. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed that that section, and here's a question for you. They're on the main floor. Mm-hmm. Where are the Dietzes? Upstairs? Upstairs or somewhere else because... what. They did cut to the father, and he said, oh, she must have passed her math class. Mm -hmm. So they are living together. And all the renovations have been undone. Right. So it's back to the old country house. It's like they've they've come to respect the goats, the ghosts, the goats, the The ghosts, and so they put the house back to the way it was. It's just interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the house going back. In that last scene, it did. So No, I know. I'm saying the original, when I watched it as a kid, that's something I don't remember. Mm. Um, okay, so that's the laugh out loud moment. Shall we move on to themes? What themes did you find? The found family aspect where Lydia really found her her family, even though her dad loves her very much. I don't remember seeing the stepmother in that last scene, so I don't know where she went or where Otho went. She is at the end because she comes in with the sculpture of Beetlejuice's head. And then she goes, oh, he likes it. And he jumps out of the chair. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So I think they have the upstairs of the house and the Matlins have the main floor Mm -hmm. and they're all just living cohesively. Yeah. So, you know, that, that and the fact that, you know, they're all very different and they can live harmoniously in one place. Yeah. I think that that's a very big theme, especially now. It's like, if you don't agree with me, then you're my mortal enemy which is not the case. You know, you can have differing opinions, but still be civil and live together. And dance it out. And dance it out. Any other themes? I mean, it's slow. It's something I, and I should be putting this in the novelty side, nostalgia side, not novelty, Mm -hmm. novelty is you. I forgot how long opening credits are. So I'm just like adding this to a little like wow moment. Mm -hmm. I forgot how long they are in the beginning. And it's not just the beginning. I mean, it really took, for me, watching this for the first time, it really took a while for them to get to the point of the film. At Beetlejuice least isn't me. in it as much as I remembered. Right, he's not. And so I'm like, okay, so they, they die, now what's going to happen? And it was very, very slow. And maybe that was the point, because they are ghosts, and time doesn't really work the same way for them as they do for the living. But I was just like... Oh, God. I mean, not until that scene with the Deo, mm-hmm. uh, the dinner party, that I was like, oh, all right. I was surprised at that. I didn't remember that. Mm. But I remember looking at you going, I forgot how everybody's name is in the front. of, And it's basically a tracking shot. Mm-hmm. So you basically you're getting the establishing shot. And I don't I know some movies still do that, but you'll see like more action going on. Right. 
So you're more involved in the sequence that you're seeing more so than the names being like literally shown. Right. I found myself looking at my phone going, I totally forgot this happens. Maybe it's a slow burn. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay. No, no. Um, all right. So that's, that's really all that I had for the novelty side. All right. Nostalgia side. I agree with pretty much all of your points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Next week on, <laughs> um, all right, this is really hard. Oh, wow, this is hard. I, for the first time, found myself being critical of this movie. Really? Um, I guess in my head, it was different than what I saw. Mm. Like, I don't remember the credits. I don't remember how slow it was. I don't remember them dying in a car accident or even being alive for the whole thing. I don't remember how thin the story was. Mm. Well... Yeah, you remember how you felt watching the movie, probably. I also have to point out, I I was literally, it's 88. Mm -hmm. I was not even a teenager yet. Well, there you go. (laughs) The fun moments I do remember were still funny to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think this is a fun film to watch. But there were things that stuck out to me, like the book of the recently deceased. I know Ortho is strange. But if he can't see the ghosts, now again, we've said the strange and unusual can see the ghosts. If he cannot see the ghosts, how can he see the book? Yeah. Why is the book a real book? Can uh, I go get it? Maybe. And again, this could be due, like you said, why did they not walk through walls and everything else? It could be just done for special effects reasons. But literally, they could have just had the actress walking around it. But the whole thing, the whole crux of the story, the climax and everything else depends on Otho finding that book and using that book to have the seance at the end where he basically is going to kill their, the ghosts. ghosts. So how did he see the book? It's a huge plot hole for me because if you can't see the ghost, you're not strange and unusual. Right. Well, maybe he doesn't see them until the seance. That's true. But maybe he's strange enough that he can see the book and not the ghosts. But he also has the book on the table and everybody's like, is there anything left in that book? So everybody can see the book? Apparently. But they're not strange and unusual to see the ghosts. Mm. Once I realized that, I had a problem with it. Mm. And the the nostalgia rating went down a little bit and I went, I don't remember this. Mm. Little things like that clicked in my head of not making sense. Um, Gosh, this one's going to hurt me. Special effects. It's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt me so much. See, I discounted the the special effects because this was in the 80s. Yes. Yes. And I will. The claymation, though, is so good Mm. that the special effects are jarring. Mm. When you have aspects that work so well, like Beetlejuice breaking out of the table and he becomes this massive thing. There are models being used Mm. for the town on the table and little model cars. All of these things are being used practically that when you then bring something that is a visual effect, I struggled with it. I really was like, wow, this is bad. This, it reminded me of Dune. When they the had original Dune. The original Dune, yes. Okay. The original 80s Dune, where it was the whole thing in one movie. I think it was the late 70s, early 80s. No, it wasn't, right? it wasn't late 70s. No? Anyway, it was the original Dune. I think it was done in the 80s. And they would push a button and this weird square would show up around them as a force field. And it basically looked like they were in Minecraft, if anybody's oh seen God. Minecraft. Yeah. That was, that was bad. Bad. And the special effects are really not that great. But they did the best they could at that time. But looking back at it now, it just doesn't fly. 
So looking back at Beetlejuice, when they did practical effects that still work for me, like when Beetlejuice is going to marry um, Lydia, mm-hmm. when the sculptures all come to life, they have to restrain the Dietzes because they're trying to save their daughter. And the claymation still looks good to me. Yeah. It still, you know, functions. And like I said, I thought those held up very, very well. And then you do the special effects sequence and they just don't hold up. Mm-hmm. So it's very jarring to go from something that is classic that still works to something that is... Ugh. Mm. And just to go back to your point, the original Doom movie was 1984. See, I so, was right. It was right. 80s. Yep. Go me. Oh, God, this hurts. Okay. <laughs> the, the film as a whole, overall, it feels like it holds up as a fun if you don't think about it. <clears throat> but out of nowhere, people can't see things, but they can see other things. The house changes. Um, and then there, there's a random, oh, by the way, Beetlejuice needs to be married to break his curse. Where did that come from? Well, maybe that was in the book somewhere and we just were not made aware of it. But that's the point. <laughs> I forgot about all of that. Yeah. So there's there's me. Okay. So then I guess that is our discussion of Beetlejuice. Yes? Yes. Okay. Now it's time for our nostalgia versus novelty reading. Uh-oh. Drum roll, please. Okay. So my novelty rating is 3.0 stars. And the reason why I gave that the rating is because the movie itself was a little slow, but there were funny moments and lines throughout the movie that kept me engaged and entertained. Also seeing the young actors who were in this film brought a little nostalgia watching it. So, you know, points there. Oh, you gave me the nostalgia, like shout out there. Yeah, I did. Oh, this is going to hurt me. It is. It's going to hurt me. Um, If you were asking little Kimmy what little Kimmy thought of the movie. Yeah, but I'm not. It would be a 4.5 to a 5. Okay. It's important that I bring this up. Okay. The reason it's not going to be that is because as an adult, I noticed things that I guess went over my head Mm -hmm. between like the length to get the story going, the thinness of the story, you know, the special effects don't quite hold up, things like that. They kind of stick with me as an adult. Not all of the special effects. Or, well, or, the claymation yeah. is completely different as far as I'm concerned. Different category. Okay, But I'd have to give it a three. I'd have to agree with you on the rating, which what? breaks me. Hey, Goonies never say die, even though you're not a Goonie. Just throwing that out there still hurts. <laughs> and if you want to listen to our Goonies episode, uh, I will link it in the show notes. But... Um, it's a fun film. Don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely would watch it again. Mm. I would enjoy it again. I would watch it every Halloween. It is, it is an amazingly fun film. But if I have to compare it to what I remember, which is what nostalgia versus novelty is about, mm. I can't in good conscience give it the same rating that me as a tiny human would give it. Okay. So what I remembered and what I saw were different and different enough to make me warrant lowering my rating to a three stars. And it hurts to say that because I... I love this film growing up, and I still think it's an amazing, fun film. And, you know, it's it's all good. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. So that's going to be our show for today, folks. Thanks to our sponsor, Kindness Untamed. You can visit their online store at kindnessuntamed.com and let them know you heard of them through the Forever Fangirls podcast. We always appreciate you tuning in and listening to all of our discussions. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, if you're having trouble with a living... Tired of having your home space violated and want to get rid of the pesky living critters once and for all, who are you going to call? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Oh, come on.
And on that note, thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye.